0: Well, I want to welcome everyone to Emmanuel. Uh, If you're a first-time guest with us here today, my name is Danny. I'm the senior pastor here at the church, and uh, you have uh, come at a great time. This is the beginning of a brand new series called Unbroken, and so it's a perfect time to kind of get a taste of what our church is all about. It's going to be a five-week series of teachings we're going to go through, and so I'm really excited about it. How many of you have heard of the book Unbroken or you've seen the movie Unbroken? By a show of hands, raise your hand. Yeah, so there's quite a few of you. If you haven't seen the movie or if you haven't heard of the book, I'm not really going to spoil anything for you because there's so much to the story, there's so much to the movie, I can't possibly spoil it for you. It's a fantastic film. It's a fantastic book. It's really the story of a guy named Louis Zamperini. And a couple years ago on vacation... Uh, I read the book, and, and I, it's a really thick book, and I'm not a very fast reader, but I could not put this book down. I, I counted. I cried at least four times as I was reading this book, and it's, it's this amazing story of a guy named Louis Zamperini, and I'll just tell you the story real quick, and, and again, I'm not going to spoil it for you if you haven't seen the movie or read the book, because there's so much to it, but really, it's the story of this kid who, who came to the United States. He was the son of immigrant, Italian immigrant parents, grew up in California, and right from the start, in his hometown in California, man, he had a he had a rough going, kids would make fun of him, and, and, and he just became kind of like a, a, a fighter, you know, he wanted to, he couldn't speak English very well, so he got into all kinds of fights right from the beginning, he actually, by his own admission, he said that he started smoking cigarettes at the age of five. Yeah, let that sink in, right? What's that even look like, right? So and when he was a teenager, he, he, he started stealing booze from, from bootleggers, and he, would, he was, you know, got into this pattern of, of getting drunk and stealing. And, and the, the town that he grew up in was a small town, and so the police knew who he was because he got in trouble so many times. So they, they went to his brother and his family and said, we've got to harness some of this kid's energy into something positive. So they, 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 they kind of got him into running, and they said, hey, why don't you try to run for the school? And, and so he, he did that, and he noticed, that he kind of had a talent and a gift, and he ended up breaking an interscholastic world record in high school. He ran the mile in 4 minutes and 21 seconds. As a high school student, you know, 16, 17 years old, well that got the attention of the Olympic committee, and, and so they started to recruit him, and sure enough, at the Olympic tryouts, he made the Olympic team at the age of 19. Uh, he ran in the Olympics in Berlin, and he ran the 5,000 meters, some of you know the story. He came in eighth place. He beat all the other Americans, but eighth place is not very good. But, he, but what was special about his race is that his last lap on the 500 meters, he ran in 56 seconds. It was so impressive that Adolf Hitler himself said, I want to meet that kid. So sure enough, Louis Zamperini got to meet Adolf Hitler, and Adolf Hitler said something like, oh, the boy with the fast finish, and something else, and then he kind of wandered off. But uh, who knows what Adolf Hitler does? I'm not sure. But, uh, but he got to meet that guy. I mean, it was an incredible race, and so he got a taste of the Olympics, and he wanted to come back four years later and race in Tokyo, but of course the the Olympics in Tokyo were canceled because of the war. And so instead of running in that Olympics, he joined, the, he joined the army, he became a bombardier. He was stationed in the Pacific, and he, he you know, his, his team would go out and just bomb places. And he he earned the name Lucky Louie because so many times he, he 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 narrowly escaped death. And at one particular point, his the plane that they were flying in, the B-52, was riddled with bullets and, 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 and just holes, which were bombs were coming in, and they got back and they had to kind of put it aside for a while, and uh, and and they just couldn't fly it anymore. And and right when that happened, another B-52. 52 was, was heard, you know, to have gone down in the Pacific, and so they had to, his crew had to get in this, this other plane that really wasn't fit for combat, and really wasn't fit for flying at all, but they had to use this plane called the Green Hornet to go out and try to find these other fellows that had crashed in the, somewhere in the Pacific. So if you know the story, you know he goes out, on this flight, the 13, 13 guys on the flight, the engines go out, two of the engines go out, and they crash 800 miles south of Hawaii an amazing story. He, gets, he, he, survives, he survives the crash. Only three of the 12 guys survived the crash. He comes up out of the water. Again, there's a lot of details to the story. I don't, want to, I don't want to spoil it for you, but he comes out. He sees a life raft. He goes over to the life raft. He gets this thing. I don't know how he does it. There's, there's gasoline and fire everywhere. He gets two of his buddies, Phil and Mac, and he gets them in the boat. One was the pilot. One was the tail gunner, and there they are in the raft, and everyone else is dead. And for 47 days, they floated in the middle of the, the Pacific Ocean. 65 million square miles of water. And, and, and again, I can't go through all the details, but you have to read the book. or You have to see the movie. It's fantastic. On day 27, uh, a plane comes overhead. Think about it. 27 days floating on the ocean. A plane comes overhead, and they think it's the Americans. They think they're found, but it's a, it's a Japanese plane, and they open fire on these three guys in a raft. Can you imagine? Louis jumps overboard with shark-infested waters everywhere, and the other two guys are almost dead, so they stay in the raft. And 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 lo and behold, after 30 minutes of being shot at, none of them are hit. There's poles in their raft and everything, but but they don't get hit at all. Louis jumps back in the raft, and the Japanese plane takes off. On day 33, one of the guys, Mac, he dies. So Louis, you know, they send him off into the water. On day 47, they finally reach land. They're rescued by the enemy. And their awful, terrible experience turns even worse Because that begins a two and a half year process of them being tortured in POW camps. And they go, Louis himself particularly goes through this horrendous torture by one particular sergeant. that I can't even say his name in Japanese. I don't know how to say it. But they nicknamed him the bird. And, and he's this sadistic, you know, psychotic man who just had it out for Louis and wanted to just basically torture him to death. One, in one specific testimony, Louis said for 10 days in a row, the bird punched his, punched his lights out every single day for 10 days in a row. It was this in, inhumane torture that he went through. And for sure, they would have died Except the war came to an end in 1945 and, and they returned home and Louis was a war hero. And there's so much more to the story and I'll get to that in a little bit. But why, why has this story gotten so much traction? Why has this story been so inspiring? Why have millions of people been drawn to this story? And here's, here's the answer. The answer is because it's an incredible story of hope. It's an incredible story of perseverance. It's, a, it's the story of someone who faced incredible adversity but was able to push through and come out on the other side unbroken and I believe that's what we want in our lives we want to be that type of person that that can go through difficulty and yet and that persevere and come out on the other side of that adversity unbroken I know that's what what I want for my life you know I have a question for you today I've got a couple questions the first one is this in your notes what are you facing today what are you facing today you know, most of us are not going to get, you know, uh, I don't know, our, our plane's not going to go down in the middle of the Pacific, and, and we're not going to float on the ocean for 47 days and get shot out by the Jap- Japanese and be held in POW camps. Most of us are not going to go through that, but we're going to go through something. We're going to go through some challenge, some adversity, some difficulty in our lives. Isn't that true? Like, no one, no one's, you know, skates through this life or goes through this life without being hit with some pain and some adversity. It's just the way it goes. Maybe, maybe right now you're facing an adversity where you have something wrong with your body. Your body's not functioning right. You just have chronic pain. Or maybe, maybe you're going through something right now with a, with a loss of a loved one. Or, or maybe a, a marriage difficulty where your relationship and you're, you're, you know, it's just not going well and it's causing all types of pain. Maybe, maybe your specific adversity right now is something going on with one of your kids in your life. Or maybe, maybe you just have something internal going on. Maybe it's depression or anxiety or something inside. You really don't understand what's going on, but you have internal pain. I'm not sure what you're facing today, but I know for sure that every one of us goes through adversity and difficulty in this life. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 16. Jesus put it this way. He said, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. He just said it. He just, he just came out and said, this is, the, this is par for the course. This is, this is how we're going to go through life. Life is going to be filled with difficulties and trials and adversity. That's just the way it's going to go for you and for me. And I think the reason why Louis Zamperini's story has gotten so much traction and so much, I, I don't know, acclaim that it's been turned into a movie by Angelina Jolie, that the reason is because it's, it gives us this, this, this idea that, hey, I can make it through adversity. Like, I can come out on the other side and live an unbroken life. There's, there's hope in my life. I know when I read the book, that's exactly what I thought. I thought, wow, if this guy can make it through a plane crash, 47 days floating at sea, floating for 2,000 miles, if he can survive being attacked by sharks and having to eat albatross, you know, that's how they survive. A bird would land on their raft and they would eat it. <laughs> and then they would catch sharks with their bare hands, small ones, and then they would eat, cut it open, they'd eat the liver, and then they would survive on the rainwater. Like, if this guy could survive off of shark liver and albatross, Like I'm gonna be okay. That's what I I felt like that's what I was experiencing when I was reading this book, Like there's hope for me if he can make it I can make it through the adversity that I'm going through I Want to give you a truth today that I believe the whole series is gonna kind of sit on okay And this is kind of a foundational truth and if we don't get this truth man, you know I don't know where the series is gonna go I don't know if it'll be very helpful to you But it's helpful for me in this sense that I believe this truth Here's the idea that everyone goes through adversity. It's how we handle it. That makes the difference See, it's, it's, it's not about escaping adversity. It's not about us getting away or, or dodging adversity. There's no dodging adversity. You're going to go through it. Everyone's going to go through it in different measures, in different shapes, in different ways. But the difference is how we handle it. That's what makes a difference in our life. John Maxwell, a couple of years ago, wrote a book called Failing Forward. Some of you may have heard of it. The premise of the book is this. The difference between successful people and unsuccessful people is how they deal with failure. I would say the same idea is true with adversity. The difference between some people who really excel in life or kind of live more of a defeated life is how they handle adversity. Everyone goes through adversity. The difference is how we handle it. Josh McDowell said this a couple years ago. Chuck Swindoll, sorry, not Josh McDowell. Chuck Swindoll said this. He said, life is 10% what happens to us and 90% how we respond to it. You see that? See, most of us think that life is 90% what happens to us. Ah, the bad breaks and the difficulties and the sicknesses and the deaths and all these different things. No, everybody goes through those things. Right now, today, right in my life, my aunt passed away. Today is her funeral. Right now, my family is at a funeral from my father's aunt, my grandmother's sister. And my family is mourning right now. Everyone goes through difficulty and death and, and, and trials and pain. It's it's how we handle it that makes all the difference in our life. You know, some people when they go through adversity, and I I watch this, I watch the life of a Louis Zamperini or somebody like it, and and instead of being defeated and crushed by the adversity, they rise up and they get better and they perform and they get on the solution side, and and it seems like adversity has a positive effect in their life, and then I watch other people go through adversity, be it a a cancer or something else or something difficult, a death, and it it totally wipes them out. I mean, it takes them, it's like they weren't expecting it. were caught off guard. They were blindsided and they're wiped out for, for weeks and months and sometimes even years. Do you know someone like this? Is that you? See, it, Henry uh William Ward said it this way. I love this quote. He said, uh, William Arthur Ward, sorry, he said, adversity causes some men to break and, and some to break records. I want to be the type of person that breaks records because of adversity. How about you? What do you think? I want to be the person that faces adversity and says, okay, we can make it through this. I know this is hard. I know this is difficult. I know this is painful, but this is going to help us become stronger. We're going to make it through. I want to be the type of person like Louis Zamperini, don't you? Here's what this series is all about. And I'm going to do my very, very best with the the help of God's word, of course, to to show us how to become that type of person, that man or that woman, and who instead of being defeated and and, and losing hope and giving up because of adversity, rather says, you know what? This is going to make me stronger. This is is going to build me up. This is going to be a positive thing in my life. That's what this this series is designed to do. You with me? I I want to be like Austin Hatch. Have you heard the story of Austin Hatch? Incredible story. It's very similar to Louis Zamperini's story in the sense that he survived a plane crash. Oh, no, no. It wasn't one plane crash, it was two. Austin Hatch survived two plane crashes. Back in 2003, as an eight year old boy, his father was an anesthesiologist, had a private plane, took his family up. He, Austin himself, his brother and his sister, his mother and his father, they go up in this plane just for a little flight, and the plane crashes. Austin's mom dies and his brother and his sister die. The only survivors were his father and himself. He was eight back in 2003. Fast forward, he becomes a high school phenomenal basketball player and gets recruited by all different types of colleges and Michigan was one of them. And Michigan, uh, basically, in his senior year, they said, man, we want you to play, we want you to play. So he verbally committed to Michigan University to play four years of basketball for them. Ten days later... After he verbally committed to them, his father took him and his new stepmom and Austin's father's, Austin's new, uh, his father's new wife up in the plane and uh, they crash again. This time Austin's father dies and Austin's stepmother dies and only Austin survives again. This time, his, his, his injuries are, are devastating. He's got this major head trauma. His, his lungs are punctured, his ribs are broken. He's just in bad shape. He was in a coma for eight weeks. He would spend the next three years of his life just learning how to eat and talk and walk. Well, Michigan's watching this all go down. I mean, they're, just, they're, just, they're, they're, they're sticking by their recruit. They're sticking by their commitment that we want to give you a scholarship. A couple years later, They they, they kept their word, and they offered him a scholarship, and and Austin accepted that scholarship. This is what he said. I have have something he said here. Um, After he signed, he said, Signing with the University of Michigan has been a goal of mine since I basically woke up from my coma. It's interesting. If I woke up from a coma, I don't know what kind of goals I would set for myself, but signing a Division I basketball scholarship probably wouldn't be one of them, right? (laughs) He goes, he goes uh, last week it was surreal to actually see my name on the dotted line. I can't tell you how blessed I feel to be in that position. When I read that, I thought, blessed? Dude, you're not blessed. You're cursed. <laughs> like, don't ever fly again. No flying for you. <laughs> like, you're not blessed, right? That's, that's, that's the, our perspective. We'd look at that and say, wow, h- how does this kid, how does this 19, 20-year-old kid look at himself and see and think he's blessed? You know, recently when Michigan was up, you know, he's still recovering from all of his brain injuries and all these injuries, so he's still trying to learn how to dribble a basketball, which is quite fascinating. He's so dedicated. But Michigan, he's he's on the team, he dresses in the uniform. They were up big time in the fourth quarter, and they put him in the game. And Austin got fouled. And that picture we had of you here just a second ago, if you can see that again, that's him scoring as a Michigan Wolverine. He actually hit the free throw. What a story. I I look at that and I heard that. I actually saw it on ESPN, the initial story, and I thought, I want to be like Austin Hatch. I don't want to be this guy that that goes through something, a difficulty, and gets thrown off my game and gets defeated and ends up losing hope. I want to be that guy that says, oh man, that was tough, but it's going to make me stronger. What does God have for me now? What's the next thing? Recently in his Twitter feed, this is what he said. I love this this idea. On his, he sent this tweet out. He said, "Why do bad things happen to good people?" Has no answer, which I would disagree with that a little bit, kind of, but that's okay. I'm not. It's not about that. He goes on to say, "I love this part. What we should ask is, what do good people do when something bad happens? Can you imagine?" I mean, you're, you're in your, your early 20s, and you're, and you're tweeting that stuff out, I'm surviving two plane crashes, losing his father, and his mother, and his siblings, and his stepmother, and he's saying, you know what we should, we should ask? What, what, what do good people do when bad things happen to them? Wow. Recently, he said this. Check, that, check out this quote. I feel like God has a plan for me. I feel like there's been uh, his hand on me. <laughs> I feel like there's a plan for my life, and most of us would laugh at that and say, dude, no, he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, his plan for you is to kill you. Don't fly again, right? Like, 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 how do you even write that stuff, right? Here's, here's what I think it is. I think, it's, I think it's perspective. I think the answer to, to how, how to handle adversity, in fact, that's the next question I want to ask you. I had a couple questions for you. How do we handle adversity in such a way that it doesn't break us down? I, I believe the answer is perspective. How do we interpret the difficulty? You know, when we go through adversity, the, na- the first tendency, the natural tendency for every single one of us is to do what? Is to ask a question, right? What question is that? You know the question. Come on. Yeah, you're saying it. Some of you are saying it. Why? why did this happen like what did i do like what what's going on here right we what are we what's behind that question what's behind that question is a desire to understand we want a perspective on the on this difficult thing that has come into our life because we feel like if we can understand well then maybe it'll make sense and i'll be okay we're like the disciples when jesus was jesus's early disciples when they stumbled upon a blind man and, and they, they asked this question, listen, in John chapter 9, they said to Jesus, Rabbi, why was this, see there it is, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his sins or his parents' sins? Which that was a perspective from the Old Testament, and it's still true today, that if you're going to live a sinful life, an evil life, and purposely try to hurt people and steal from people, listen, God's not going to, he's just not going to leave you, leave you be. He's going to intervene, right? You reap what you sow. You know, we've got a God is a judge. He's a perfect judge. So this is, a, this is kind of a true perspective. Like, who is the sinner here that caused this dude's adversity? Like, he was born blind. Who, who's at fault? Now listen to what Jesus says, because that's not the only perspective. There's other perspectives out there. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 3. He says, it's not because of this guy's sins or his parents' sins. Jesus answered him. Here's a new perspective, guys. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. Whoa. Totally different perspective. You guys want to know why this kid was born blind from birth? Because God chose to reveal his power through this guy. And then Jesus did something crazy. Some of you know what he did because you know the Bible. Some of you don't. He spit in the dirt, right? Isn't that what you would do? I would do that, right? Ah, this is, watch the power of God. (laughs) Well, that's what Jesus does. The Bible says he spits in the dirt, he gets down on his hands and knees, he makes some mud with his lungi, or gross, that's nasty. He makes mud with his saliva. No, he does this. You, you read the Bible. The Bible's fascinating. He picks it up, and, and then he does something even crazier. This is probably what I would do, probably what you would do. He takes the, 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 the saliva mud, and he puts it on the dude's eyes. Doesn't that make sense? And he says, okay, now now go in the pool of Siloam and, and, and wash. I would, I would have gone and washed too. <laughs> and he comes back and he can see. And the power of God was revealed. See, I believe with all my heart that... A big reason why adversity knocks us off our game and causes many of us to lose hope and get down and get discouraged and, and, and cry a river of tears and woe is me and, and just, you just get all depressed is because of our perspective It's the way we're interpreting the difficulty, the way we're seeing the adversity. We end up thinking things like, "Well, God must not love me, and He must not be listening, and where is He? And He must be mean. Maybe He doesn't even exist, and He's again. Maybe He's punishing me for the sins I committed a couple years ago." And you start to think of all these. All you're doing is you're trying to answer the question of why. Why is this happening? We do. we, We do the same thing the disciples do. Jesus, why is this happening? And then we try to come to all these different conclusions. And if we come to the wrong conclusion about our adversity, it will cause us to lose hope. It'll cause us to be defeated. We will lose our faith. We'll go down into the valley. And we won't come up for a very long time if we have the wrong perspective. You know what this series is all about? I want to give you perspectives that will help you soar. See, I believe with all my heart, in this next slide here in your notes, that our perspective is what determines if adversity will strengthen us or break us. It's the way we're seeing it. It's the way we're interpreting the adversity that makes the difference. Do you believe this? You have to believe this. It's absolutely true. So let me give you the first one. We're going to talk about five perspectives in this series. The first one is very simple, okay? God is using, God uses adversity in your life to bring about maturity. God uses adversity in your life to bring about maturity. What does that mean? That simply means that God wants to use difficulty, trials, pain, perhaps some suffering, to to grow you up, to bring about maturity in your life. Now you say, am I making that up? No, I'm not making that up. You open up the Bible and you see it right from the the mouth of Jesus' brother himself. It's a man named James. Listen to what James writes in James chapter 1. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles, difficulty, adversity, trials... When they come into your life, or they come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Well, there's a different perspective. <laughs> like when, when sorrow and troubles come into my life, I'm, I'm not like, ooh, an opportunity to get happy. No, that's not what I think. How about you? <laughs> like, so I'm, I want to know, what's he talking about here? How is it that adversity can become something that I can find joy in, right? Listen to what he says. Here's the reason. For you know, see, there's knowledge involved here. For you have knowledge that when your faith is tested... Your endurance has a chance to grow. Whoa. See, now I get some insight here. What God is doing is he's allowing trials and difficulties to come into my life so that this thing called endurance, the ability to keep going when it's hard, when when your plane goes down and you're on a life raft... You think to yourself, we're going to make it instead of what Mac did. Did you read the book? Some of you read the book. Some of you saw the movie. Remember Mac? What did Mac do? 20 minutes in the raft. After, this would have been me. After 20 minutes in the raft, Mac, he has this little episode. We're going to die. <laughs> he keeps going on and on. And Louie's like, no, we're not. We're going to get rescued. Come on, come on, come on. And he's just, you know, he's trying. Finally, Louis said he had to smack him in the head. Shut up, Mac. <laughs> I mean, because, because it was, he didn't have very strong endurance muscles. Right, so he he looked at the sixty-five million miles of ocean, and he's thinking, "We're done. We're dead, dude." And Louis's going, "Nah, nah. See, they're gonna fly out here tomorrow. They're gonna save us." It's perspective. It's it's endurance. Listen. So God allows trials to come into our life to build this thing called endurance—the ability to keep on going when it's tough. But it doesn't end there. Watch this. He continues. So let it grow. Let endurance grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be. Say it with me. Perfect and say it with me, complete needing nothing. This is the secret. This is the perspective that you and I need that are gonna, that's going to help us bust through our adversity to live an unbroken life. Come out on the other end and be unbroken. See, here's what God is up to. God is using the adversity in your life to fully develop you. In fact, that's our next slide. God's goal for your life is full development. Think about it this way. Some of you have raised kids. Some of you are raising kids, okay? The goal of raising those kids is full development. See, they have to leave the house, and you have to get them ready to deal with financial situations, relationship situations. They have to be ready to resolve conflict. They have to be mature. They've got, you can't send them out into the world unprepared. You can't send them out into the world immature. And some of you are like, yeah, I know, Oh, I, I sent my kid out into the world immature and now they're back in my basement again. And see, that's what happens. That's what happens. The job of the parent is to, is to get that kid ready and launch them out so that they can deal with life. That's what God is doing. He's fathering you. When adversity comes into our life, he's fathering you. He's using the adversity to make you stronger and to mature you so that you can leave and go out and do the things he's called you to do. Isn't that beautiful? God's goal for your life is full development. See, but here's the the catch. Here's the catch. You and I have a choice. You and I have a a choice in this. We get to choose whether or not we're going to let adversity make us or break us. See, adversity is really a fork in the road we decide if it's going to mature us or if it's going to throw us off and defeat us and cause us to lose hope. That is our choice. Listen to what James says. If we go back to the verse, James says this, soul, let it grow. That's on you. That's on me. I have to let this adversity do its work in my soul. I can choose for this adversity to not let it grow me, And how do you do that? Well, you just complain, and you argue, and you take the wrong perspective, and God's against me, and he doesn't love me. He must not even be paying attention. He's not answering my prayers. He probably doesn't even care. That's not letting it grow. See, this perspective says, you know what? I'm going to let this adversity grow my endurance muscle. It's a choice that you and I make, whether it be a financial adversity or a relationship adversity or a sickness or a death or whatever it is. We have a, it's a fork in the road, and we choose whether or not to let the adversity make us stronger or break us down. That is a perspective. You know, I was thinking about this, and I thought, I thought of Jonah. Jonah, a great story of, uh, in the Bible. Jonah is this guy who goes through tremendous adversity. God calls Jonah, I'll tell you the story real quick. He calls Jonah to preach to the Ninevites, because they're all they're all off course. <laughs> and they gotta come back to God's word. And so Jonah doesn't want to do it, so he runs. So God, God has a way, you know, of, of chasing you down sometimes. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And so God chases Jonah down, has this fish swallow Jonah for three days. Can you imagine what it's like to be in a fish for three days? Not a good situation. Talk to me about adversity, okay? You've never been in a fish for three days, okay? <laughs> Just terrible situation. Finally, it seems like Jonah's maybe having a change of heart, so God spits him out, causes the fish to spit Jonah out on dry land. He actually does obey, and he goes and preaches to the Ninevites. Well, they end up listening to the message, and they turn from the their silliness, their their disobedience, and God ends up showing them mercy instead of judgment. And you think, man, what a great story, and it is a great story, but it doesn't end well. You know the story of Jonah? It doesn't end well. It ends well in the sense that the people of Nineveh got mercy, and then Jonah kind of climbs up on the top of a mountain. He's just having a pity party. He's mad. He didn't even want to live anymore. He's just, he's done. He's he's mad at God. He's he's mad at life. He's complaining. He's moaning. And he didn't let his trial produce in him what God wanted to produce in him, which was this. This was the message for Jonah. Hey, Jonah, I prefer to show mercy than bring judgment. My heart leans more towards grace and forgiveness than punishment and judgment. And Jonah, Jonah, you missed it. You missed it. He didn't let it grow. He didn't let the adversity teach him what he needed to learn. And that cannot be you and I. We have to be in this position when we're going through adversity to say, okay, God, I know that that the perspective you give me through James, the brother of Jesus, is that this adversity has come into my life to make me stronger, to mature me, to develop endurance in my life, and I'm going to let it grow. Will you buy that idea? Will you adopt that perspective? Let me ask you my last question here. Last question, what are you going through today? What, what is it specifically that you're going through? What is your adversity? I don't care if it's small, it's, if it's causing pain, it doesn't matter, it's big to you. It may be big like what's going on in my family right now, the death of an aunt, that's big. My uncle Chip, he's, he's been married for, for years and years, he's 78 years old, he's suddenly alone. That's, that's big, that's huge in our lives. See, what is it that you're going through right now? I, I, I really, honestly, I, it's not that I don't care what it is. I, all I want to say is, is it doesn't matter what it is. God is using that adversity to mature you and grow you, to make you stronger. Will you, will you adopt that idea? I remember when I was reading C.S. Lewis a couple years ago, this perspective was solidified in my life. I want to read you this passage because it, it really helped me. It, it's, it's along the lines with what James said. Lewis says this, when a man or woman turns to Christ and seems to be getting along pretty well in the sense that some of his bad habits are now corrected, he often feels that it should be natural if the things went fairly smoothly, right? When troubles come along, trials or adversity, illnesses, money troubles, new kinds of temptation, he's disappointed. These things he feels might have been necessary to rouse him and make him repent in his bad old days, but why now? See that? Why now? We always want perspective. Because God is forcing him up or on to a higher level, putting him in situations where he'll have to be very much braver or more patient or more loving than he ever dreamed of being before. It seems to us all unnecessary, but that is because we have not yet had the slightest notion of the tremendous thing that he means to make of us. It it seems so unnecessary. Why am I going through this? Why this difficulty? Why this trial? It's because we lack perspective. We don't understand the tremendous thing he is making out of us. He's making something out of you. He's maturing you. He's growing you. He's building your endurance. You buy that idea. You put that idea on like a new set of glasses. I remember when I got my first pair of glasses. See, I can't see any of you right now. You're all blurry. I remember when I got my first set of glasses, I didn't think I needed them because I was in my 20s. You know how that goes, your ego and all that stuff. And so I put my first pair of glasses on after the eye doctor and I was like, whoa! Like I could see street signs and leaves. I haven't seen leaves in years, look at the leaves. See, that's what happens when you get when you, when you get a perspective. When your perspective gets sharper, you can suddenly see things in a different way. This, you know, what this series is all about: five different ways to see adversity. Oh, my hope, my hope is that you'll go, wow. That's what God is doing. And if, if he's building endurance in me and making me stronger, well, then, then I can deal with it. I can, I, this, that means that God is up to something. That means that this is an opportunity for joy because God's growing me up. Can you imagine if you saw your adversity that way? What a difference that would make in your life. You would end up being a Louis Zamperini. You would end up being an Austin Hatch. You'd be that person where people scratching their head going, how do, you, how do you have such a positive attitude right now? Like you just went through this terrible situation and you're like all excited and ready to go and move on to the next thing. You're like, well, you know, it's, it's my, see, God's fathering me. My heavenly father is growing me. And I'm letting the endurance grow through the adversity. See that? and I'm getting stronger. Why should I be upset? This is an opportunity for growth. I cannot tell you what a difference that truth has made in my life. I have pity parties every now and then. Just ask my wife. Every now and then, it's, woe is me. Oh, you're not going to believe what happened today. You know, ladies, we do this to you, right? We come home, and we complain and whine. But but then I then I said, "Whoa! What's going on here? Why is this happening?" Oh, and I remember the tremendous thing he's trying to make out of me—a great husband, a great father, a great pastor, a great Christian, a person who can endure through the next trial. And don't you need endurance? By the way, I'm kind of off script here a little bit. But don't you need endurance? Come on! Isn't it hard to have a good marriage? Come on, talk to me. Isn't it? Isn't it? Hey, isn't it hard to raise kids like good kids? Like, it's crazy hard, and I need, I, listen, I need endurance. Uh, like, like, the other day, I was like, I, I just, my son just kept disobeying, I smacked him right in the head. And I was like, oh, just, just right there, and my wife looked at me like, what was that? I was like, oh, just, he just, oh man, it's just hard, it's hard, right? You should have seen what my mom used to do to me. That's nothing compared to what my Puerto Rican mom used to do. But anyway, that's another story. But, but it's just hard. It's hard. One time my mom broke a paddle on my backside. Anyway, I'm, I'm having memories right now. Sorry. You know, it is, it's hard. It's hard to get your finances straight. It's hard to discipline yourself when it comes to food and exercise and dieting. It's like, like anything worth having in this life is difficult. Do you agree with this? So what do I need? I need endurance. You need endurance to keep on going when things are hard. And that's why God's bringing adversity into our life so that we can grow in our endurance and mature. Like This is a perspective. You, you buy this idea. It's going to change your life. Now, I hope you do. My challenge to you is very simple. Each week it's going to be the same one. Live unbroken. Like, just just live unbroken. Well, that's actually another, another idea. But here's, here's the takeaway for the whole series. It's our perspective that will allow us to live an unbroken life. That's the whole series. It's our perspective. But here's my challenge for you today is to live an unbroken life. Just to, just to say, okay, in order for me to live an unbroken life, I have to have the right perspective. What's the perspective we shared today? That God is using adversity in my life to, to mature me, to bring about endurance in my life. Man, you buy that idea. You're going to find the strength to persevere in your life. Now, I mentioned a few moments ago that Louis Zamperini's story didn't end when he got home. The birds' torture stopped, and, the, and all that stuff came to an end, and the war was over. But all that stuff built up inside of him was not over. It kept going, and he had nightmares, and he turned to alcohol for some relief. I want you to hear a little bit from Louis Amperini. I think this is when he was 93 years old, uh, when he said these words. Check out the rest of the story.
1: So the war's over. I'm alive, but now it's a whole new life. The
0: American hero was busy being a celebrity, but found the time to fall in love with Cynthia Applewhite. He proposed 10 days after meeting her, but couldn't shake his
1: demons. Now I got married, I have a little girl, and I'm still suffering nightmares, waking up, uh, screaming, uh, strangling the, uh, the bird. And one night I accidentally strangled my wife in my dreams, and she got scared.
0: Doing some drinking, too?
1: Oh, that's all I did. I drank, uh, I just figured the more I drank, the, the, the better I'd sleep at night. So I was out every night drunk. My wife refused to go with me, and uh, she decided on a divorce, and had every right for a divorce. And then somebody had talked her into going to hear a, a new evangelist, a young evangelist called Billy Graham. I asked you tonight, are you prepared to meet God? Are you prepared to meet God the moment you die?
0: His wife came to Christ at the crusade and had good news for Louis.
1: She said, because of my conversion, Louis, I'm not gonna get a divorce. Boy, I was happy. Then she and her newly found Christian friends were all over me. And I avoided him like a plague.
0: But he was desperate to save his marriage, so he reluctantly agreed to attend the next Billy Graham meeting.
1: He talked about one person only, the person of Jesus Christ, for 30 minutes. And, uh, you know, he read the scriptures for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is the eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, I knew I was just sinner, but I didn't like the idea of someone else reminding me, you know. Well, if anybody had ever asked me if I believed that Christ was the Son of God, I would have said, yes, all my life I believed it. But the heart, no, I never, I knew somehow if I believed it in my heart, my life would have been different. So I knew I didn't possess the Savior. And, uh, but I still didn't want to do it. And I think the best description of that is, the Bible says, it meant before darkness rather than light. And here I was preferring my rotten life to, to, to the light. And then I started having a flashback to the life raft and prison camp. All those thousands and thousands of prayers, God, spare my life through the war and I'll seek you and serve you. And I kept thinking, I came back from the war alive and I never even thought about those prayers. Never even tried to keep one prayer. That night, Louis gave his life to Jesus Christ. I got off on of my knees. Somehow I knew I was still getting drunk. I knew it. I also knew that I forgave all of my guards, including the bird. I knew it. And I think proof of that is I had nightmares every night about the birds since the war and after the war. And the night I made my decision for Christ, I haven't had a nightmare since. 1949 till now, and that is some kind of a miracle.
0: So he gave his life to Jesus Christ, and his life changed. He put his faith in Jesus Christ. He said he knew about Jesus in his head, but he knew he didn't possess the Savior in his heart. You know, perhaps there's someone here tonight, today, where you'd say, man, I don't, I'm not sure I know what he's talking about. I'm not sure I know Jesus Christ as my Savior well perhaps right now is the moment where you can put your faith in him see Louis said it perfectly in that video he explained what I try to explain all the time from Romans chapter 6 verse 23 that the wages of sin is death all that means is that that my sin and your sin separated us from God but the gift of life is eternal life in Jesus Christ meaning this that that the penalty of sin was paid by Christ himself on the cross and if you put your faith in Jesus Christ you can have your sins forgiven you can receive Christ as your personal Savior like Louis did that night when Billy Graham was preaching. And if you'd like to put your faith in Christ today, I'm going to ask you to pray. And, and you know if, it's, if this is you right now, you know if God is, is speaking to you because what happens is he tugs on your heart and you feel him and you sense him drawing, him, drawing you to himself. So if you'd like to put your faith in Jesus Christ today, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your head. And what you're doing is you're reaching out to God in faith, asking him to forgive your sins, asking Christ to come into your life. And if you've already made this decision, pray for those who are making this decision right now. If if it's you right now, just in the quietness of this moment, speak to God, say these words. I'll lead you in the prayer. You can speak to him right now. He's listening. Dear Jesus, in this very moment I ask you to come into my life forgive me of my sins and be my savior I trust and believe that you died on the cross for me that you paid the penalty for my sin that I might have eternal life that I might have a relationship with you and so cleanse me Wash me. Make me your son. Make me your daughter right now. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. If you prayed to receive Christ like Louis did many, many, many years ago, and like many people have at this church in the last year and even last week, our church would like to put a Bible in your hands. And, and here's why we want to do that, because we believe that, that the Bible is written by God, that it's inspired by God, and that as you read these pages, you actually hear from Him. It's awesome to hear from me, well, maybe not, <laughs> or some other preacher, it's pretty cool, but when you read this book, what you're hearing is the inspired words of God, so God speaks to you through his word and you speak to him in prayer and that's how you develop and grow in your relationship with him so back here to my left and to my right there's tables uh, of folks that have these one-year new testaments these are bibles that are broken down into little five-minute readings according to the date if you prayed to receive christ today we want to invite you to go back there and grab a free bible and begin reading it Can we give god glory for what he's done today It's our perspective. As we leave here, it's our perspective that determines whether or not adversity will make us or break us. The perspective I laid before you today is very simple. That God uses adversity to bring about maturity in our life my hope is that you'll take that and you'll work that into your life this week in your small groups you're going to talk about how to take that idea and work it into your life so that when you face a financial difficulty or a challenge in your marriage or a challenge in your parenting or or a death or a sickness or a loss of any type or anxiety that you could take James 1 and you could take this perspective and actually work it into your everyday life so that it actually changes the way you live and you end up living an unbroken life that's my hope for you this week okay let's pray heavenly father thank you for the opportunity to open your word to gain perspective to look at truth god i know what that the truth sets us free it's the truth that changes our life so this week i pray that you'd help us to take this idea mull it over in our minds memorize the the passage if we need to and look Look at our adversity through this lens that you're using adversity to bring about maturity. God, if those who prayed to receive you as their Savior, God, I pray that you'd give them the courage to go grab a Bible, not just grab it, but also begin reading it today. We love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Next week, you're not going to all miss it. It's going to be awesome. We're going to look at another perspective when it comes to adversity. We'll see you next week. Bring a friend.